I was just sitting there reading and thinking about it. Can you imagine being here one minute, being in heaven the next, and being going through all the operations and things that he's went through and the sufferings he's went through and having his uh, part of his leg cut off and everything else in the world being done to him and being here in this old body in one minute and be, having a brand new body with Christ the very next second. I've thought about that a lot of time. Have some body present with the Lord. Amen. And uh, it's really, uh, we want to make it a sad time, but the Bible, if you study it, always says uh, that that's the time to rejoice when a saint of God goes to heaven. And it's, it's a real pleasure when you know those things. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Matthew chapter 22 tonight, please. Matthew chapter 22. I uh, had a man call me this past week and asked me, Why does Jesus teach? Uh, why did Jesus teach in parables? And you've got to remember something now. Uh, Jesus came to the Jewish nation first, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentile. And so he was speaking in parables, uh, teaching the Jewish nation and Jewish people about himself, and the, the gospel was hidden uh, to the Jewish and lost world, uh, to the Gentile world. And then when they rejected him, uh, he made it very clear to whosoever will. But uh, if you would please, I, I love to study the parables in Gen uh, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 1. And Jesus answered, spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Now I want you to notice something as we read. Whose dinner is it? Everything, whose oxen it is, whose fatlings it is, and so on. Notice again now verse 4. And again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready coming to the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise, and the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was raw. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
For many are called, but few are chosen. Pray with me. Father, we ask you in Jesus' name, let the Holy Spirit open our spiritual eyes now that we can see these great truths as taught here. We need them. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice verses 1 through 3 again. Jesus has spoken them again by a parable. Now, here again, like in chapter 21, if you go back and study it, Jesus is speaking to them in parable. First, Jesus told about two sons. One, uh, he said, go out and work, and the other did, and the other did not. And secondly, he talked about uh, the householder and his vineyard. Thirdly, uh, he climaxed those parables with Jesus himself as the stone rejected of the builders, but uh, made of God the chief cornerstone. And finally, they understood that Jesus was talking about them. And this did not cause them to repent. Instead, their hatred for him, the Savior increased. Now, here's the doctrinal truth that's taught here. Light rejected becomes darkness. That, I believe that's what's wrong with the world right now. If you go back, uh, when I first got saved, for instance, there was big churches all over this country, especially in this country. I mean, blooming, having revivals, people being saved, preaching the gospel right out of the Bible, saying it like it is. They didn't back up uh, when it comes to sin. They named it from the pulpit. And people repented of their sins and came to God because of it. Now... You listen to most preachers you, in, in most churches, you say, and you can't tell what they really stand for and what they don't. They don't condemn anything. And what is happening is, I believe, when you know the truth, and according to Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2, when you know the truth and reject that truth, then it becomes darkness. And when a person is convicted of sin and feels a need for the repentance, yet fails to repent, that person becomes even more sinful. Now, the heart becomes harder, and the mind increases in darkness. But, in spite of the fact that the enemies of Jesus deliberately close their minds to the light, the light continues to shine all around them. Now, that's Jesus. Jesus gives another parable in chapter 22. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. Now the king here represents God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is the son. In verse 3, the king sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. Now, the Old Testament prophets are the servants who were first sent to call the invited guests, which were the nation Israel. These guests were God's chosen elect people. Now the set time for the marriage feast had arrived and they were called to come and take part of the royal feast. The king sent for Israel and they would not come in verse 3. Now this was not any old ordinary invitation. This was a royal invitation from the king. And here's what I'm trying to show you. To refuse that invitation, that's treason. And I won't get into it tonight, but uh, try not to anyhow. 
I believe the, some of the leaders in our country right now, what they have done and what they are doing into our country right now is treason. And you can say whatever you want to. I told Michelle a while ago, she said, that sure is a pretty tie. It, marks, it matches my dress. And I said, yes, it is, but I'm afraid it's a Democratic. And I told my daughter, I don't wear Democratic colors. <laughs> so now she's got to get me a ribbon in place of it. Just joking. All right? Don't get too serious on me now. All right? But I do believe that uh, when the king, the Bible says when the king was rejected, that's treason. Now, treason carries with it the death penalty. The king was very patient, though. Look in verse 4 now of chapter 22. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fathoms to kill, and all things are ready, coming to the berries. Now, verse 4 says, Again he sent forth other servants. This is grace on display. God's invitation was given first to the Jews and the prophets of the Old Testament. Invited, they explained, uh, they warned, but they did not listen. The nation Israel did not respond. Now go with me to John chapter 1 for just a minute. In John chapter 1, I want to begin to read in verse uh, 29. John chapter 1 and verse 29. The next day John sees Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed upon him. And I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Now, verse 35, again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Now, when you take those verses, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah, according to Isaiah 53 and so on, announced the Messiah was coming and even was here at that time. But again, the nation here did not respond. They did not receive his message. Uh, finally, Jesus, the Son of God, came. He presented himself as king and declared the kingdom of God was at hand. They rejected him and crucified him. Then the apostles, in the beginning of their ministry, uh, restricted their ministry to the Jews. Yet, their message was rejected also by the majority of the Jews as a nation. Now, the second half of verse 4, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fattens are killed, all things are ready. This was to be, there was to be no mistake in this message by these other servants. The king, God the Father, he took great delight in the marriage of his well-beloved son. 
The king said, My oxen, my fathers, God the Father has made the utmost care in the preparation right down to the most minute detail. God furnished everything. God prepared everything that was necessary and or needed for the wedding feast. That's why God could say today, all things are ready, uh, come unto the marriage. Everything prepared to salvation is made ready. Now I want you to look at 2 Corinthians for a minute. 2 Corinthians. That's why that when I was brought up in the, a different denomination and they were talking about you have to do certain things uh, to go to heaven, uh, and I finally saw it was by grace that I understood that I was saved by grace, not by doing. And I want, I want to show you the reason why now. In Second Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ must, must, may rest upon me. Everything, when it comes to salvation, is made ready. God's grace is sufficient to save you. I don't care uh, what you need to do today. God's, I, I've had people come forward and say, A Preacher, I think I've sinned my day of grace away. And I could re- gladly respond to them, No, you haven't, because why are you concerned about it? It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you about it. Amen? So you can't send your day uh, grace away if the Holy Spirit is convicting you to get saved. Notice the invitation is to all. I like that. The life-giving grace of God is free. You don't know how to work for it. Now, yet to hear, but to refuse, to accept the invitation is an insult to the King. That's Almighty God. Do you know the book of Hebrews says it would be better if you'd never heard the gospel than to hear it and refuse it? Turn over to chapter 10 with me, please, of Hebrews. Chapter 10, and I want you to look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. Now, there's a great mistake made here. Those that teach you can get saved and lose your salvation, they use these verses, but they misquote it. For if we sin willfully after we receive the knowledge, it didn't say after you had to see Christ as your Savior, just the knowledge of Christ. There remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversary. Uh, verse 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be the worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God and has counted the blood of, uh, of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and has done despite under the Spirit of grace? For we know him that he has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again the Lord shall judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Here's what that's teaching. Did you know somebody has never heard, just like this man that I was talking about this morning, he said he'd never heard about Jesus. Now listen to me very carefully. 
If he dies without Christ, he's going to hell. I don't care. It don't sound right. It don't sound like it ought to be, but that's just the way it is. There's one name that'll take you to heaven. Only one name. That's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and accepting Him as your son sin buried. There's only one thing that'll take you to heaven. That's receiving Him. And so, uh, everything else is on the sideline because it's the it's results of, of sin is in us. Now, the truth is, if you haven't heard the gospel and you die and you go to hell, there's a punishment there for you. But what about those that sit in church? What about those that's been witnessed to? What about those that have been hindered a track, have been preached to over and over and over again, and they've heard the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the King has made everything ready for you to be saved. He's done all the work. He died on Calvary. He shed His blood for you, and you reject that. The Bible says it's like stomping His blood under your feet. That's an insult to holy God. And then if you go back and study in the book of Matthew, there's degrees of punishment. He said, "Many will be, a few will be, some will be, be with few stripes, some with many stripes. That's degrees of punishment. So everybody who goes to hell is not going to be punished the same way. Now I don't understand all the, all about the punishment there, but I know one thing: they're not going to be the same. Amen. It's just like going to hell. I there is crowns that you can win as a Christian." to take to heaven when somebody said you can't take it with you oh yes you can there is certain things you can take to heaven with you did you know you can take every soul that you ever won to Christ to heaven with you it's going to meet you there the good works that you do for Christ Jesus is going to meet you there the rewards that Jesus is going to send pass out is going to meet you in heaven but what about those that don't have anything done anything they just get saved come in sit down listen to the gospel and they go to heaven too. They say by God's grace. But there's a difference. Some will have to receive rewards and some won't. Now, that's the same thing as taught here. Did you know an unsaved man has never heard the gospel? He's going to die and go to hell, that's for sure. But also that one that stomps the blood of Jesus Christ, he's going to go to hell too. And notice it's the king's preparation that makes a difference. There's a lot of things I don't like. I don't even like the word hell. I really don't. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it. I know something that haunts me even to this day. I was called to Tampa General Hospital one time, not long after God called me to preach. And they said, Preacher, would you come? My daddy is dying and he don't know Christ as his Savior. And I took off, and I, I hurried to the hospital. I literally run up the stairs. Back then, I could run nine sto- floors up the stairs. Now, now I'm lucky I get in the front door. But uh, I used to run, I run all the way up there. I was out of breath, and I'm uh, hurrying down the hall, and the nurse stopped me. She said, are you the preacher? I said, yes, ma'am. You're too late. You'd already died. Now, as far as I know, he could ask the Lord to save him. But as far as I know... He died without Christ. And he went to hell. You know what I think about a lot? That man is still there. And he's still burning in the fire. I don't like that. I don't like to talk about it. I don't like to think about it. People being there. But it's true. 
And that's what we got to face, and that's what we got to preach, and we got to keep on telling people uh, to avoid that place. Don't go there. Get right with the Lord. Because there's nothing that you can do to be saved. God the Father's already made it. He sent His Son. He sent Him to the cross. He shed His blood. He's rose from the dead for you. He's done everything that you need to be saved. He's ready for you. Come unto me and be saved. That's the invitation. And to reject that is treason before the king. Now, I want you to watch this. Let's go back to Luke chapter 14 for just a minute. Luke chapter 14 and verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servants at the supper time to say to them that were bid come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, Now you want to, you want to listen to something funny? What time is supper? Isn't that at night? Supper time at night. Listen to the excuses. I've heard every one you can name. But just listen to these excuses. And he said, And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs to go and see it. Now, I got news for you. He can't go see a piece of ground at night. Amen? I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. Wait a minute, you can't plow with oxen at night. And I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married me a wife and therefore I cannot come. I heard an old preacher say about that one, he's the only one that had an excuse. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but verse 21, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Every excuse under the sun is not going to hold up one day at the feast. Amen? It's not going to work. And I've heard them all. I've heard i got to work. I've got a headache. I'm sick. I've heard it all. Every excuse you can think of of rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the judgment seat of Christ, brother, it's not going to hold up. And you notice something, if you would, please. And when God says something, it's going to be done. That none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. When I read these stories about the king... And, and here's the whole message tonight. Once you reject the gospel, did you know your heart gets harder? Did you know somebody said that, that God, I heard a man preach on, well, that Pharaoh didn't have, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And Pharaoh didn't have a thing to do with hardening his heart. God hardened his heart. The Bible says that. 
So you can't deny that, alright? But wait a minute. He gave him ten chances. Ten times. He said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And he refused to do it. And the next time, let my people go. And he refused to do it. He got harder and harder and harder. And even after he killed the firstborn of all of them, even the king, he still would not let them go. And you say, why in the world can somebody do that? It's because that when you hear the gospel and you reject the gospel, your heart gets harder. That doesn't mean you can't receive Christ as your Savior, if you will, but you get harder every time. Just a little bit harder. I had a statistic. I wish I had them before me now. But uh, I had a statistic that they run several years ago asking Christians, how old were you when you got saved? And did you know at a certain age, it's, it's like... Uh, uh, up to five, six, seven, eight years old. I forgot now exact age. But uh, there's one out of, say, 50 that gets saved at that age. And then when you get to, let's say, 20 to 50, uh, there's one out like 500 uh, or so many. Anyhow, it's harder and harder and harder as you get older to receive Christ, you see. What's the problem? The problem is that when you hear it and know to do right and you will not do it, your heart gets harder and harder. And after a while, you reject it. And brother, I don't want to get there. And you can. And that's what scares me with people. It seems so simple to me. Coming to me, everything is ready. You ever get get invited to dinner and somebody said, what can I bring? Uh, let me bring something to your dinner. Well, really, if I invite you to a dinner at my house, it's an insult for you to say to me, let me bring something. No, I already got it all fixed. I'm inviting you to come eat my dinner. Amen? Now, you think about that for just a minute. Now, but I'm going, I want to bring something. You think about salvation. God the Father said, i got everything prepared for you to be saved. But I need to do something. No, you don't. The Master's already got it ready. All you got to do is come and sit down at God's table and eat of His grace. Stand with me, please. Heavenly Father, we love You tonight as best we know how. Every time we read of these stories, Lord, and they're true, and the parables are given to you, open up our hearts and minds that we can see You as Savior. Help us to Lord to get it to as many as we can, as quick as we can, where their hearts won't get hard and rejection sets in. Bless us tonight. Go with us and watch over us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight.